When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Q fans. It's time for another exciting season, not only of QMJHL Hockey, but THN on the Q as well. We're brought to you by BetMGM, and we're here for another exciting season in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I am Will McLaren, joined once again by Jamie Tozer here in our Season 2 premiere. We are thrilled to have a very special guest. Now, of course, there are a lot of storylines that came out of the queue in 2022-2023. And the biggest one, and it had some competition, was, of course, the uh, hiring of the new commissioner of the QMJHL. He joins us here this evening. Mario Ciccini, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, welcome to your first full season in the QMJHL. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. Now, um, Mario, uh, first things first, um, during these first few months that you were uh, in the commissioner's chair, it was very eventful in the Memorial Cup victory, um, obviously the uh, changes in legislation throughout the league, which we're going to talk about as well. How do you view your first few months in the commissioner's chair and really the whirlwind atmosphere that, that took place during that time? Well, it's a, a very good description that you just made. Um, actually, it was uh, my first week, my first Friday night after my first week. I'm in a, a packed building in Quebec City, 18,000 fans watching game one of our final, which was, I mean, totally exciting. Then traveling to Halifax uh, with, again, a packed building in our two biggest markets. We had a record 400,000-plus spectators, fans that came to games for these playoffs, uh, all-time records. So, and then you go on to Kamloops and uh, you come back with a Fort Memorial Cup, which I wanted dearly because I didn't want to be the bad luck charm after they won three in a row. So, um, and I, then I had a good time in Nashville at, um, at uh, the draft of the NHL draft, got to meet a lot of people. So it was extremely active. Fun, exciting, uh, but at the same time, very, uh, very busy and everything that we had to do. Um, so it was exciting times. It's been uh, it's been uh, nonstop. And uh, I think we accomplished good work over the, the summer. I'm happy with the first few, the first 100 days, if you will. When you look back on those first 100 days, is there anything that really surprised you or, or you weren't really expecting? Nothing really surprised me, uh, Jamie, I guess. Uh, I knew what I was getting into. I mean, obviously, uh, going back to uh, when I started to think about that in December, that led to the decision in February, and then it was announced in March. We know what happened, the Parliamentary Commission and all of that. So uh, I cannot claim I did not know what I was getting into, um, but it's been... I'm, I'm excited with the people. I'm excited with the, the group of owners. I'm excited with the look forward attitude, how quickly we put behind 
the tough year and just now are decided to look ahead. Uh, and now we celebrate it. I mean, the fact that we had so many fans at our games during the, the off season was sort of a big boost for everybody at the office, just basically, and our team, just basically saying, yeah, listen, uh, it's been a tough ride, maybe a tough few weeks at that point, tough a couple of months, but hey, we like the game, we like the product, and we're going to support it. And that's how we took it, and that, that drives us now to move forward. And I want to talk a little bit more about moving forward. Um, obviously, you know, we, we know how uh, busy and eventful it was for you early on. Now that we now that you're on the brink of having uh, the, uh, the beginning of the season uh, come your way for the very first time, um, maybe you don't have a moment to breathe necessarily, but uh, you do have a moment to look ahead for sure. And when you look ahead at this league, uh, what are some of the bigger challenges? Uh, do you feel, for example, that uh, you're overlooking a league that has 18 healthy franchises at the moment? Well, I think, um, no, that's that's a good point that you're touching. First of all, when I look ahead, that's the goal, to have healthy franchises all over that uh, do the maximum of what they can do in the community have a be safe on the business side have the maximum fans and all that so we want to thrive there so there's work to be done there not everybody comes out of covid uh, like i i often like to say we were in the same storm but not necessarily in the same boat so not everybody is equipped to face or come out of it in the same way so that for me to see how we can help those teams make sure that uh, everything is maximized and optimized that's number one, because uh, that's where it starts. And then, obviously, looking ahead, I'm big on safety. I'm big on um, technology, uh, the webcast. These are some of the topics that you might see us talk about that hopefully you'll see a difference down the road that we want to impact. want to make sure that our product, when it's viewed on our webcast, is, is appreciated uh, to the maximum. So we're working hard. We brought in technology. We'll be doing some announcements this week, later this week, but some technology with the referees. Um, so all of these things. And obviously, uh, obviously, uh, when I say safety, as much on the ice as off the ice. Not that I don't think that we have recent problems with safety off the ice, but yet we have to meet the new generation where they are and how they think and adapt and um, so that's the way we talk around at the league amongst the GMs and the coaches and the things that we've discussed in our training sessions. One of the best events at the queue every year is the draft. It was great having the draft back in person. Uh, I'd love to know what you thought of your draft experience. Um, and I'm also curious, how big of a focus is player recruitment and getting those players that are drafted into your league? Uh, uh, well, first of all, the draft was... Totally exciting. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I, I was told that, you know, um, I don't know if I'll do it for 27 years like Gilles did, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure if I would ask him, it was probably uh, one of the most satisfying day every year. Just to see, and gentlemen, I'm telling you, this is not just words, to see the faces and the eyes of those 15 years old coming up on stage on the first round, shaking their hands, embracing the new logo, shaking hands with everybody. So not all of them will make it to the NHL, but on that day, they felt the dream, I guess. It's the first step towards their dream, and it's a true privilege to be there, to be able to welcome them on stage, shake their hands, 
And we try to do it in the best fashion. So I know they see what happened in Nashville. And to a certain extent, it's pretty close what we are able to do, what my team called Jenky and everybody else is able to do with, I don't know, guys, 10% of the budget, I guess, that the NHL has. And we're able to provide that experience. It's really satisfactory. It's really, really fun. And as far as, you know, how uh, to getting, I think the second part of the question, Jamie, was getting our players to the NHL. Was that the second? Uh, getting question? those players that are drafted on draft day uh, into your league. And ensuring that yeah. they're Oh, yeah. So that's, that's again, and, and the one anecdote that is fun that I like to mention often is the fact that on that day, uh, a lot of the, the night before the draft this year, we had the Hall of Fame cer uh, ceremony, again, for the first time in three years in, uh, uh, in presence. And uh, two of them mentioned that their, their dream was not even the NHL. It was to play in the queue. Because when they were young, sometimes you don't dare dream about the big dream. And uh, so you dare about, you know, your team in, in your community that you want to play for. You want to wear that logo um, and the closeness and the proximity to. So, and when I was hearing that and I was hearing when I announced the, 200, the 252nd draft of the 14th round, the last players drafted, and you call out the name and you hear the family up in the in the arena, uh, yelling and clapping and be happy because he was drafted, and um, so it's just amazing. And to have to have a year on that happens that I have to say, where Jonathan Marchessault, for example, was drafted twelfth in our league, undrafted in the NHL, and then my first is on the year that he wants to count his that allows me to look every every draftee in the eye and tell him now it's up to you. You guys can make it happen whether you're number one draft, number 148, or 252. Before we used to talk about Tom Brady in football that was drafted 199, like 198 times they overlooked him and he became the GOAT. And now we have Jonathan Marchessault that can claim the same story. He became for a period of time the best in the league. At the at, at at the moment that it counts the most, so it's another guy to look up to. So to me, the draft, those are the stories that are super fun. Uh, Mario, I just want to uh, go back to uh, something that you've already touched on, uh, that being player safety, and of course, yep. the biggest news that came out of the league during the off season was the legislation that uh, came in regarding the the uh, reduction or the elimination, I should say, of fighting. Um, to those of us who have followed the league over the last few years, uh, it didn't necessarily come as a big surprise. I know Jamie and I will probably talk about this a little bit later on uh, in the podcast. Um, in fact, the numbers were minimal at best, uh, even at the end of last year. But were you surprised by the amount of negativity, mostly from outside the league, about that decision? Not really. Uh, well, and I have to say I've worked and uh, I want to be very prudent here because we're talking about social media. We're talking about maybe a few thousand people, a few hundred people. And we're not talking about the parents of the players or we're not talking about many, many, many things. So it's a little bit what I was expecting. Um, uh, I was happily surprised that in most markets where everywhere I go with talking about the queue right now 
and it's it's welcome when i walk around people come up to me and they congratulate us on what we did um, because basically and you guys know you guys follow it's been 15 years in the making that started way back with a famous fight that started in 2008 that started the league to go on this 28 uh, to, uh, ruling new rules in 2009 then 2016 then 2020 and we had 86 fights last year um you, I think you need to go to uh, 10 or 11 games, 86 fights to, to make it relative on 612 games. And then if I add about 70 games of playoffs, you're basically off to 700 games and we're on one fight in the playoffs. So it's 87 fights in 700 games. Uh, so to your point, it was already on the way out. So it was easier for us maybe to just do the last step of that process and get to where if you fight, you're out of the game. And I think players, the thing they hate the most, especially in a league where you're supposed to get the B to develop yourself, is to lose ice time. So I think, and we just completed 64 preseason games. And as again, as you guys know, last year in the preseason, we had 20 fights, which relatively is twice as much as we have during the season. Because of course, sometimes, Kids will be more aggressive in the season game to, to show the coaches that they can do that kind of play. Um, I have to congratulate. I'm very impressed with the coaches and the GM in our league. They embraced the process. We talked about it all summer. They saw clips. We talked about it together. We determined together what is a fight these days because the, um, the rule will be about engagement in a fight. So somebody can defend themselves. So... We, we get away from the fact that I just can jump on someone and he's automatically out of the game. So we didn't want that to happen. You don't want the fourth liner taking out the star of the of the, of the the other team in game six of the, the final to make sure he's not playing in game seven. So we get away uh, from that in our rules and uh, everybody embraced it. And um, clearly the coaches gave good instructions because it was only one fight out of 64 games when there was 20 last year in the preseason. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll have a strange month of October, I'm sure, uh, end of September and October, where we adjust. The players adjust themselves. The referees need to adjust. So we told everybody, listen, when you make the calls the next morning, just remember we're in adjustment period. So maybe mistakes will happen. Uh, but there's video replay that will be available uh, for the referees. So we try to make it as convenient as possible. Uh, but uh, I think it was the right thing to do at this point, and uh, we're happy with our rule at the end of the day. Players have a lot of different ways to reach the NHL, and one of those ways is college hockey, where there is no fighting. Um, do you think these new rules could help attract players to the queue? We discussed that, uh, Jamie, and we hope so. We hope so. I think uh, every time I talk, I, I try to have in mind uh, the person I have in front of me is a mom, is a dad, and I can tell you when I was, and it's one of those taboo subjects. That's why I was not necessarily surprised by the reaction. But if, if when I grew up, you wanted to play hockey, uh, you know, you when you get to that level, I guess you have to fight. Every AT teams guys on the on the on the team said, okay, at one point I'll have to fight. That was in the seventies and the eighties. And things evolve. And then you get down to 12 players. And then you get down to eight players. And today, if you, if you have a secret vote, you probably would have one or two 
fighting that that doesn't mind fighting. And you hear those guys who who made a living fighting in the NHL. How you've you've read all those stories? How they were sick the night before. They never wanted to fight. Plus the hurt. So you you read that and you say, okay, do I really want my son to um, or my daughter? Because now it's going to happen soon. That uh, you know to be in a fight. Um, the answer is probably no most of the time. And it was with Cam Loops talking to some of the parents there at the Memorial Cup. You know, and it's it's funny how the more important the game is, you know, as we go through the playoffs, there's no more fighting. There's no fighting in the Memorial Cup. There's no fighting in the World Juniors. So we just need to follow that example. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think to your point, when a kid sits down with his mom and dad, and he's 14, 15, and looks at his op, and he's got a talent for hockey, and looks at his option. Maybe, maybe hopefully it retains some of the players and we have a very good i think we'll try to improve always but we have a good schooling system we 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 pay for the university afterwards we can help we're flexible we help them with uh, any type of program they want to follow as much as we can so i think when they sit and they compare now maybe to your point jamie that's another point of comparison that we've eliminated at least uh with the ncaa uh, we've talked a lot a bit a lot about what you sort of envision on the ice perhaps Mario we've talked about the league in general let's talk a little bit about Mario and of course people who didn't know uh, before you came to the league you were a superstar of, uh, of uh, some renowned in the business world your time of course entertainment just being one of those times um, how does Mario Ciccini, the businessman, look at this league and what does Mario Ciccini, the businessman want to do with this league in the years to come? I, I hope your viewers don't find it boring. Your last topic, no, I think seriously, I think what we trying to bring is probably um, just maybe obviously a different vision, obviously a different way of looking at it. Obviously a huge, um, the mandate we have is just to grow the league with a with a capital G, um, G in English, yeah, G, because in French it's J, so it's G. Grow is G, um, you know, with a capital G. That um, on on the fans front, on the technology front, and but I've been asked this question by a member recently, uh, a member of uh, of our board, and and I think what what I've learned the most, and I've learned it with the CFL also during COVID when we didn't play um, is that we need to better learn to basically share best practices, learn to collaborate uh, off the ice as much as we compete on the ice and leave the competing on the ice. And that's easier said than done. Uh, so that's what I, I, if there's something that I would look back and say, it's been a successful mandate is that all the teams share the data, have information, collaborate in order, exchange good ideas. Don't be afraid to help each other out on the business front, on the marketing front, on the back office front, and do our share at the league to make sure that the, the, the most uh, equilibrium that we can achieve between the teams, small and big markets, uh, is actually there for everybody to compete on the ice because that ultimately where, you know, that's the three hours a day or nine hours a week with three games that 
everything we do culminates, you know, that's where you have the fan experience and all that. So I think um, thinking in those sort of silos, if you will, and how we then bring them together and make them work, uh, that's probably um, that's probably something that we are driving on uh, to achieve. And you have an extensive media background, um, and you mentioned streaming a little bit. Where, like overall broadcasting, where do you think the queue can improve uh, to get more access to fans? Well, the, first of all, uh, the webcast, just as an example, we're, we're going to do our, our best because uh, coming in in July and June and July was uh, was late to prep. But uh, definitely uh, this year, I'll give you a small example, we are we are looking hard right now to have uh, provided content. So like last year for the first time that, for instance, uh, I looked in a game, there was no intermission. It was just a clock coming down at the game that I was watching, counting down the 18 minutes. I said, okay, that's kind of strange. You know, it doesn't keep me in front of my TV uh, or my, or my uh, whatever, iPad. But um, so we've made a push. And as much as we can, we provided content, did interviews uh, that for those who cannot have in some, because you, you guys know, you guys are talented. And you know, guys like you are hard to find in 18 markets, hard to duplicate in 18 markets, in two languages uh, sometimes. A play-by-play -play person is not that easy to find in every one of our market. So that we at least provide content um, so we keep the person there, you know, so we keep the person um, uh, present. Uh, so that's just a small example about improvement. We want to work on the sound, on the lightning, on more cameras, more angles all of this and also as we improve on uh, or the, uh, not improve but as we now use uh, replay technology uh, with the referees as of this year uh, at the bench with the iPads uh, well then the more camera we have for the same piece of action the more angle the uh, referee will have to judge the play so uh, that's just one example of, of where just we need to get it to, to a much higher level right now uh, we're on the way there. And afterwards, what's well, going to be interesting, because one thing I know, between now and 2030, there's something's going to be invented in 2026 that uh, none of us know about right now. So we need to, we need to remain really agile around this. Uh, we have started a committee uh, at the league uh, and uh, with teams on it, with experts on it. Uh, we'll do surveillance. We'll follow everything that happens. And we'll make sure that we we can integrate everything every fun thing around the stats maybe as technology gets cheaper that we can improve the viewing experience as much as the on-site experience so we have a couple ideas i don't want to give them all the way right now but uh just to give you a sense uh it's extremely uh top of mind in terms of how we uh, address this and and move forward in, in solid capacity well uh, i think it's a safe bet that we all are looking very forward to seeing what this league looks like in 2030 and uh, with you hopefully still at the helm and uh, coming up with uh, uh, many new ideas uh, in the years to come. Uh, Marriage Genie, thank you so much for taking the time here and um, best of luck as uh, you embark on, on this first full season in the league. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And again, a big thank you to Mario Ciccini for joining us on the season premiere of THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. So uh, we talked a lot about Mario. Jamie, let's talk a little bit about you. How was the summer? How is Sea Dogs training camp so far? And uh, just, yeah, give us a life update here. It was good. I didn't do much of anything this summer, actually. Uh, as everyone knows, was a busy year of, of travel. And uh, to the shock of everyone, I'm sure, I've got another busy year of travel ahead. So um, didn't do a whole lot of much of anything this summer. Uh, but it was nice to get back into swing things. It was nice to have an actual uh, summer again. Uh, mm-hmm. first like real off season um spent so just some some a beautiful weekend in uh, in St. Quentin um shout out to all the uh, the hockey fans up there just a great time great bi- great <laughs> great great facility uh we'll definitely come up and uh, check out the western someday um the mm-hmm. training camp was uh, was pretty smooth it was pretty good um it was a fun camp i'd say just cuz there were some some roster battles um, and the CEDAWs, you know, they've got a good group of, uh, of rookies and younger players who don't have a ton of experience, but also a pretty decent group of returning guys too. So, um, pretty entertaining camp, um, pretty entertaining preseason. And, uh, now I, we're ready to go. We're ready to go for the, uh, the long haul here. Absolutely. And, uh, we're going to talk, uh, about anything and everything that there is to talk about uh, as far as the individual teams, just to give you some sort of idea, uh, we'll do a preview on each conference um, starting next week with the West. Then we'll move, of course, on to the East. Uh, but for now, let's talk about the league in general. So we are back for season number, and i got to think about this on the fly. Boy, the math is hard. 55, if I'm not mista- mistaken, in the QMJHL. I said that rather emphatically. I better be right. Um, opening nights on Friday, of course. We get seven games on tap. Um, one of the teams not playing will be your defending Memorial Cup champion, Quebec Grand Par. They'll be at home to Bay on Saturday night, or Saturday afternoon, I should say. That's 4 p.m. start up in Quebec as the banners will be unfurled for that historic season. Of course, one of many teams with personnel changes, and we're going to get to that in the weeks to come as well as we see new faces in new places and see what they can bring to the new organizations. Um other key dates, we'll just do a bit of a rundown, more of a, you know, uh, a neat, uh, a, more of an information gathering session here. Uh, the Q's holiday break will be from the 17th to 27th of December, and the trade period from the 17th of December to January 6th, one day after the World Juniors end. As usual, those World Juniors are going to be in Gothenburg, Sweden, from December 26th till January 5th. And, Jamie, I think we're going to be spending, and I kind of do mean the we, because I think I might have to make some appearances myself. It's my old hometown, obviously. We're going to Moncton on a couple of occasions. And the first time is going to be on January 24th for the CHL Top Prospects game at the uh, still relatively new Avenir Center. Uh, the regular season ends on March 23rd, as they've done in, in the number of years in, in the past. All nine teams are in action. They're all going to be afternoon games. The Memorial Cup is going to be in Saginaw, Michigan from May 23rd to June 2nd. And let's bookmark that. I want to get back to that in a second. The QMJHL draft is in Moncton. So we're back there on June 8th as we turn 
over another season in the queue. So before we go any further, two questions for Jamie Tozer. Number one, are you heading to Saginaw, Michigan in the spring? And question number two, between now and the end of the season, are you going to be somewhere in the vicinity of Wentichi, Washington, to watch the Wild? Uh, question number one, I don't know yet. Uh, Saginaw, Saginaw is a nice town. Um, there's some nice communities around it, too, that are, are interesting spots. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to venture out there or not, though. It's uh, not the most convenient. It's, it's a kind of an odd rink location actually because it's right downtown but there's weirdly no hotels in downtown Saginaw um, all of their hotels are out in like the the mall area um, that's a little bit of a drive away so it kind of a, an odd little setup there which is not the most convenient but um, not too bad if you had a car um, so we'll see on that one uh, Wenatchee I can tell you that trip is locked in uh, knock on wood I might actually be doing one of these shows from Wenatchee uh, oh so, yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that now means that you must do a show from Wenatchee. Thank you, by the way, for correcting me on the pronunciation of that. Wenatchee. Yes. Wenatchee. And uh, they do have an airport. I called them out. I want to apologize to the people of Wenatchee. I called them out when they got a team. I asked them, "Does Wenatchee even have an airport?" And the airport actually reached out to me and said, "We do exist." So shout out, <laughs> shout out to uh, the Wenatchee airport. Uh, I look forward to visiting you. Okay, so okay, follow up question. So, Wenatchee has has an airport. Yep. How do you get there from? Let's say you're flying from Halifax. It's the major airport in our region. Yep. If you're going. If I'm going from Halifax, how do I get to Wenatchee? Where do I connect? I'll fly. By the way, Hal I'm yep. sure the viewers and the listeners just. Love oh, this is good stuff. Uh, yeah. Anyone who knows me will will love this answer. Flying from Halifax there is way too easy. I um, have to complicate it as much as possible. Uh, I'm actually flying there from Salt Lake Edmonton. City, Salt Lake City, um, attached to another trip. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm flying Salt Lake City to Seattle, Seattle to Wenatchee. Yep, not surprised at all. Okay, so let's move on to the next As topic. one does. <laughs> yes, from Salt Lake <laughs> City. Okay, then. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, and I think maybe we'll just unpack it, you know, bit by bit, uh, because it's just too exciting to go over one in just one episode. We've already had a lot going on here. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, there's there's been a lot taking place in the league in the offseason. And one of the things, and I think we both agree, Jamie, it's, it's kind of paramount to bring this to the forefront uh, immediately. Um, and that's the fighting legislation. So just as a quick recap, if you didn't hear the interview with uh, Mario Cicini earlier, in which case I suggest you go back and listen to it. Mario had some excellent insight on a number of topics. But essentially the league, where fights have dwindled down for many years to this point, has totally eliminated fighting uh, in its games. Um, mixed reviews. Obviously there's some people who applaud it and have been waiting for this for many years. Um, there's been also a number of people from some, and you know, to Mary's point, you mentioned social media. Well, there's a few rather prominent social media outlets who, uh, condemned the league essentially, and basically mocked the league for this decision. Uh, Jamie, I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, where do you stand? And 
do you have any sort of rebuttal for anybody who has uh, maybe a negative opinion on this? Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned a little bit, Will, anyone who follows the league closely knows that this was probably going to happen, whether the queue made these rules or not, the way the fighting numbers were continuing to, de- to decrease. I think we were inching closer and closer to where there was just going to be zero fights. Um, and this move probably just made move that ahead a little bit faster. Um, I have a feeling, and this is just me speaking freely, I have a feeling the league kind of hoped that fighting would just go away on its own and would avoid the negative uh, media attention it got from, from a lot of the national news who don't follow the league that closely. Um, overall, though, I think there is... I, I do understand and I think there is some validity to, to a lot of former players who who have concerns about the removal of fighting. I think there is some some room for discussion over, you know, what happens um, when not even just fighting, but the threat of fighting goes away. Um, and when someone goes over the boards and injures a player, um, maybe they wouldn't do that if they knew that there's a chance they might have to fight later in the game. And removing that threat, I do think there is a little bit of, you know, okay, I can kind of understand, I can understand where those former players are coming from and why removing fighting might end up being bad. Um, but having said that, I think we have enough evidence now that repeated blows to the head are bad. Uh, they're bad long-term. Uh, they're especially bad long-term for teenagers who are junior hockey players. Um, and I just don't think we can watch hockey knowing that we have a rule that allows players to suffer um, lifelong injuries, even early death um, in some extreme cases. I, if we can eliminate those as much as possible, I think we need to do it. So I definitely think fighting... Removing fighting is the right thing to do. I think us as fans, even though we might even enjoy fights, I think that's kind of something that we all struggle with a little bit. But I think we want intensity more than anything. And I think that's where we're all a little worried about. I think we don't want to go to a regular season game or a playoff game um, and have it feel like we're watching a training camp scrimmage. And I think there is some concern that removing fighting is going to remove some of that feeling of intensity in the game. And I think those are valid concerns. And I think um, leagues and especially the Q need to kind of look at um, what are ways that we can create more intensity, create more uh, value in these games. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that last word that you brought up value, I think that goes a long way. You know, I've, I, I've had a number of people bring up this topic with me Um when the legislation was announced, when it was about to be implemented. And the people who are the biggest opponents to it, I'll say this, consistently I hear four key um, arguments for why fighting should not be eliminated. And the first one, you talk about value, fans will stop going to the games. Well, to go back to something that I said back in the spring, and Jamie, something that you said about five minutes ago, if you are so concerned about going to a QMJHL game and not seeing a fight, that tells me that you probably haven't gone to a QMJHL game Mm -hmm. in between a decade and a decade and a half. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Since 2008, Marich Cheney alluded to it where uh, uh, legislation was brought in to prevent gratuitous violence for stage fights, your line brawls, your goalie fights, things like that. It caused an initial significant decrease. And really, it was starting to de- decrease from the high point already. In the mid to late 90s, things got very violent at times. It was already on the way down. That just accelerated things. To the point that you know it just it was a gradual phasing out not just by the league but uh, amongst the teams themselves amongst the players it, it wasn't something that was part of uh part of the uh, the coaching parameters so to speak it wasn't part of the playbook anymore uh this is just the final step that seemed rather inevitable so if you don't want to go to a game there's plenty of other op- entertainment uh venues out there and you probably haven't gone to a game very recently anyway the other one I heard was it's going to make players less prepared for the professional ranks. Well, let's put it this way, Jamie. Between 2015 and 2020, there were 19 players drafted in the first round of the NHL draft that came from the queue. One of them has had more than 100 penalty minutes in the season. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was picked third overall by Columbus in 2016, and he did it two years ago, 107 penalty minutes. Most of the rest of them, in fact, all of the rest of them didn't crack 50 in a single season. And it's because they're not being brought in to fight. The days of the first round NHL draft pick as fighter are gone. Um, those top end still skill guys are not on rosters at any level to do that job anymore. And that's certainly not going to change at the pro level. So it only made sense that it was not that it was going to come into effect and stay at the Q level. So above and beyond that, so who are the guys who are still going to be fighting in the NHL? It's the guys who have to go through the minor leagues. That's going to be the training ground for learning, quote unquote, how to fight if that's the the path that players will take to get to the NHL. Guys like Ross Johnson, guys like Matthew Olivier, who are in the NHL right now, they spend considerable time in the minor leagues. That will be the case for the players in the future. If fighting is what they need to do to get to the next level, that's their prerogative. They're past the junior age. They will get there on that merit if somebody sees fit. But the top end guys, they don't fight anymore. So it's a moot point. Uh, Opening up the game to more dirty plays, the refs will have to be on their toes more. I'll say this much. I agree with you on that one, Jamie. Things will need to be policed a little bit closely. But I got a counterpoint to it. Every person that I've encountered that has made that argument to prevent the ban of fighting are generally the people who complain about the refs every every game anyway. The refs can do nothing wrong. It's uh, can do nothing right. It's us against the world. And these are the people who still think that the refs show up on the visiting team's bus. I don't think you're changing their minds no matter what happens. It's a cop-out. But it's something that's valid, maybe not from the irrational fan standpoint, but definitely from a player safety standpoint. And finally, the prospect pipeline. Well, as you already mentioned in the interview with Mario Ciccini, there's a little thing called the NCAA. Um, And there's another little thing called the United States National Development Team. And neither of those entities permit fighting. And both of those entities are the hottest uh, training proving grounds right now and training grounds for NHL prospects. The second biggest European leagues. Mm-hmm. 
who also don't allow fighting and never have. So really, when you get down to the heart of the matter, and coupled with the fact that draft picks are a lot more revered by NHL teams now, it's only a seven-round draft. Excuse me. It's only a seven-round draft. It's been that way since 2005. You treat those picks a lot more uh, seriously than you did before, which means that the guy who you know can maybe answer the bell when they need to, um, you don't have to draft that guy anymore. You can mm-hmm. pick him up. You, yep. can, you can give him a free agent invite. You're drafting on skill nowadays. So if that's the way that the NHL looks at it, then I'm pretty sure that the Q, who are now trying to put an even bigger focus on skill, they're not going to suffer any any worse for, for the wear, for sure. Yep. But yep. you know what? To all those who think this is a bad idea – if you want to sit back and advocate teenagers bare knuckle boxing, you do you. I did an interview with CBC after this news came out, and they asked me an interesting question. I'm curious what you think of this. They asked me, what do you think the NHL thinks of this rule? And my answer was, I think they love it, because I think the NHL wants to get rid of fighting, even though they probably won't come out and say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they hope it's going to go away on its own, because look at what just happened in the queue. They had a summer of pretty much all negativity uh, from national media and imagine the NHL banning fighting and the amount of negativity that would come from that. So I think the NHL is just hoping that more and more of these feeder leagues will eliminate fighting. There will just be no more fighters coming into the system and problem solved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as far as the other two leagues, I mean, I don't have the numbers right away, but just look at a game sheet anytime it's yeah. going down there as well. They just haven't eliminated it. So it's, it's the way things are. You can like, you can not like it. And I'll, I'll post face everything I just said by saying I've never walked out of a rink because a fight broke out. <laughs> and, uh, and I probably never will. Um, not to say that I'm, uh, that I thoroughly enjoy it, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to hide behind. I'm not going to hide behind the fact that uh, I, I haven't cheered a fight in a ring before, and I think we can all say that to some extent. Yeah. But the times are changing, and and here we are. Um, so that just about does it for this uh, season premiere episode of THN on the Q. Um, Jamie, uh, final thoughts, and uh, most importantly, what uh, if anything are you looking most forward to? particularly in these first few weeks of this 2023-2024 uh, Q season. Yeah, um, there's a few interesting teams I'm keeping my eye on. Um, Halifax, of course, um, without three of their big forwards, see how they can kind of recuperate that offense from within, without Lawrence, without Doucette, without LeGru. Um, But also Moncton, I'm really curious to see what the Wildcats do. They have an exciting group here with Gail uh, Denoy, Sean Carrier added. Um, and then I, a team we talked about a ton last year, Will, uh, Drummondville, running it back, mm-hmm. running this core back with uh, a new coaching staff. Um, really, really curious to see uh, how they can, can recuperate um, a tough season. Uh, so really looking forward to seeing how uh, some of these teams start out of the gate. Yep, there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines. There always is. A lot of new faces um, and uh, new teams up on top for the most part, too. And uh, we'll, over the next uh, few months and 68 regular season games, find out who exactly it is that winds up on top before we head into the uh, second iteration 
the uh, Gilles Courteau Trophy playoffs. So uh, that's a long ways away. We'll be back a lot sooner than that in just one week's time, in fact. So for Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. Thank you for watching the season premiere of THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM.